Last February, my grandma was nearing the end of her life suffering from dementia. And she was living in an assisted living building with my grandpa. And they would walk through the hallways to go to their meals and to get the mail together, always hand in hand. A couple weeks before she passed away, there was a day when most of her children were able to come be with her together and some of her grandchildren. And she received the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. And during that, there was a moment out of the blue when she reached over and grabbed my grandpa's hand and looked him earnestly in the face and insisted to him, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. To which my grandpa replied, I've told you time and time again, I will never leave you. Joshua, in our first reading, presented a similar proposal to the Israelites gathered before him, basically asking them, are you going to remain faithful to the Lord or serve some other God? And they responded, far be it from us to forsake the Lord, basically saying, no way, we will serve him alone. The disciples in our gospel today, who had been listening for quite some time to Jesus speak about the bread of life and how they must eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life. A difficult teaching, they said. Again, presented with a similar decision. And many of them left Jesus returning to their former way of life. And Jesus turns to those who remained, asking them, right, do you also want to leave? To which Simon Peter answered, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In my grandpa's eyes and in his face, I could see that he had given himself completely to his wife. And in that clutched hand, I could see that she had given herself completely to her husband, both faithful to each other. Brothers and sisters, this is what St. Paul was getting at in our second reading today in writing to the Ephesians. And this reading is really packed with good stuff. I think we could talk a couple hours about it. We're not going to, don't worry. But it's really packed. So we're just going to look at a couple lines in this reading. Firstly, to start, St. Paul wrote this. Right? Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. This right away, he is addressing both to husband and to wife, right? Subordinate to one another. Paul is saying that husbands and wives are called to 
a mutual submission to one another. As St. John Paul II would explain, this is really a mutual self-gift. Mutual self-gift. Just very, very briefly, here is how such a mutual self-gift develops in a relationship according to St. John Paul II. It doesn't just happen right away. There's various stages and layers to it. Love starts as an attraction, a necessary thing to bring two people together. Then that love as attraction develops into what's called love as desire. Desire, when the man and the woman see in each other something that they desire for themselves. A good in the other person that seems like it would be good for me. Of course, that would be selfish to stop right there, right? This desire must then progress to love as goodwill. So now I see something good in me that is good for the other, and I desire the good of that person. And so the couple desires the good of each other. Love as goodwill. And I can't even stop there. Ultimately, This must progress into love as self-gift, where each give themselves to one another in that mutual self-gift. Where now each sees the good in themselves, which they want to give completely to the other person for their good. The epitome of this is Christian matrimony. This high calling is not a mere contract between two persons, but a covenantal giving of persons. And this is why St. Paul writes that husband or wife are to be subordinate to one another out of reverence for Christ. As Jesus said elsewhere, there is no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friend. That type of love is the very love of Christ. One cultural example is that at weddings, the popular tradition in this country and many countries, and it's okay, it's it's a fine tradition, is that the groom waits for the bride, right, at the front of the church, while the doors are opened and back and everybody looks. The beautiful bride approaches with one of her parents' And the groom starts to cry, ideally, right? And then she walks down. And it's a beautiful sight, right? It really is. However, that's not the first option. The first option, the preferred option according to the church, is that since they are going to be on equal terms in their marriage, in this mutual self-gift, The first option is that the bride and the groom walk down the aisle together. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've seen it a few times. It's it's pretty cool. But the point is that the bride doesn't simply give herself to the groom in a one way, or the father isn't, or the mother isn't giving her daughter to the groom, 
but rather the bride and the groom give themselves to one another. That is the idea. So next, St. Paul writes, Wives should be subordinate to their husbands as to the Lord. You recall the previous line was, Husbands and wives be subordinate to one another, right? I know that wording such as this doesn't jive well with modern sensibility. Even the idea of subordination or submission sounds like an ancient idea or something from a different culture. However, check, check it out this way. There's various translations of that word. One of the popular ones is submission. And the word submission, if you look at it, says submission, which means to be under the mission of another. So with that, St. Paul says, Wives, put yourself under the mission of your husbands. Well, what is the mission of the husband? St. Paul continues, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself over for her. So how did Christ love the church? Unto death. Right? Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and to lay down my life for my bride, which is the church. Jesus seeing himself as the groom, laying himself down for the bride. So do we realize what Paul is saying then when we read it in this context? He is saying, Wives, allow your husbands to serve you. Of course, implying husbands serve your wives. To serve you as Christ served the church even unto death. So I ask you, who's got it the better deal? Ladies, I may be wrong, but imagine if you were married to a man who took St. Paul very seriously in this reading, that his very mission in life was to love you this way. Imagine if you were married to a man who day in and day out would prefer to die a gruesome death than to ever violate your dignity. In fact, why did Jesus die? To make his bride, the church, beautiful, St. Paul says, spotless, without stain or blemish or any such thing. Imagine if you had a man who was willing to die for your dignity, for your good, and for your salvation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this exactly what you're looking for in your husband? And husbands, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there some desire in your heart to lay down your life for your bride in that way? Maybe not looking like this. Literally, could be, but it's going to look different day in and day out. St. John Paul II regarding this question, wrote, quote, We can conclude that the wife's submission to the husband means above all the experiencing of love. 
This all the more so because the submission of the church to Christ certainly consists in experiencing his love. This is all why marriage is a sacrament. When two baptized Christians enter into a valid sacramental marriage before an official witness of the church and two other witnesses, entering into it freely with the intention of lifelong fidelity and fruitfully, if the Lord has that in their plan then their love is blessed and elevated by Christ. Their love becomes the very love of Christ for the church. A real presence of that love in the world. And we need that. When my grandpa told my grandma, I will never leave you, it reminded me of when Jesus said, Behold, I will be with you always. For Jesus also gave us a real presence of his love in the Eucharist. And this great feast which we are about to partake in is often held up as a wedding banquet. Therefore, brothers and sisters, all of us members of the church, the bride of Christ, let us now profess our faith and prepare ourselves to approach our groom who died for us and gave us the hope of eternal life with him.